What is up, everybody? Welcome to Wayward Artists in a Wayward World. I'm Sid, and joining me today is one of the co-founders of Terrain, uh, Ginger Ewing. Uh, did I say your last name right, Ginger? Yeah, Ewing, but it's close enough. Ewing. Yeah. Oh, Ewing. There we go. I, sh- I probably should have asked you in the pre-show. But, That's okay. Uh, again, <laughs> again I, um, wanted to, I know you're super busy, so I'm very uh, privileged to have you on. I'm very honored to be here. Thanks for asking me to join the show. Absolutely. Um, uh, Ginger, we talk about terrain a lot on the show, actually, um, mostly because my involvement with terrain, yeah. with my uh, theater troupe. So yeah. let's get right into it. Why don't you tell everybody like who you are, what you do, and how do we know each other? Yes. So uh, my name is Ginger Ewing, and I am a co-founder and the executive director of Terrain, um, and have been working in arts administration, gosh, for about 14, 15 years uh, in Spokane. Uh, I started my career as the curator for cultural literacy at the Northwest Museum of Arts and Culture. And we know each other because you've been a part of Terrain. Oh yeah. Uh, so what exactly is Terrain? Because I think I we mentioned on the show, like I said, we talk about it, but I don't think I give it like the proper context that it is. It actually is a really big thing for the Pacific Northwest, or uh, well, like the inland Northwest specifically. Um, so uh, do you want to talk about like what terrain is exactly? Sure. Uh, so I'll start with a little bit of the backstory. So, um, well, to start off with, we began terrain now 13 years ago. Um, and our intention was only to have a one night only one time event. <laughs> so whoops. Uh, and we are actually now a full a full fledged nonprofit um, in uh, Spokane. Um, really kind of our origin story, for lack of a better description, is um, kind of twofold. One, um, if you grew up in Spokane, there was a narrative for decades, really. I mean, even my mom's generation was told that if you were going to be quote unquote successful, or you were gonna have fun in your 20s, you were gonna do it anywhere but Spokane, Washington. Um, and that um, created what we called um, a massive brain drain of uh, Spokane's young and creative people. Um, and despite that brain drain, I was at the museum at the time. My now husband, Luke, was the arts editor um, and writer at the Inlander. Um, Our good friend, Patrick Kendrick, at the time was the largest independent music booker here in town. He does, in addition to Terrain, um, he also does the Volume Musical Festival every year. Um, And then a couple other of uh, our friends who are community organizers, kind of despite this massive brain drain, Uh, We took a look around and there was still incredible creative talent in Spokane. Um, But some of the roadblocks we saw was there was a huge disconnect between um, mediums of art. So, you know, the the poets did their theme and the visual artists did their theme and the theater kids did their theme. But there wasn't a ton of collaboration um, or crossover. Um, There was also a big disconnect between what we called emerging artists, young and emerging artists, and the more established artists. And so really our idea... Um, for that first year was just to get everybody into a room, um, all of those different groups that I just uh, mentioned to see what would happen. Um, Another big part of our thinking, and this really stemmed from kind of our individual work and then how we collaborated with one another, was um, at the museum, I started to take a really deep look at who was an engaging, who was engaging with art, um, who had the power to define what art is and what what art isn't. Um, And, um, and again, just saw some disconnect and some work that needed to be done in that area. So it was kind of all of that thought coming together. um, That really was the impetus for that very first terrain. Um, About an hour and a half into that first event, we realized that we had tapped into something really special. There was this energy in the room um, that we could have only dreamed of. And there were people saying things like, yes, I found my people, or this is my home, or can you do more of this? So we knew people were thirsty for this kind of um, connection, this kind of community. Um, But again, still just intended for it to be kind of a one-time thing. 
Um, fast forward to the, the following year, and I should have mentioned that we always connect it, connected it to the Fall Visual Arts Tour. Um, so for those of you who aren't from Spokane or, un, or who are unfamiliar with the Fall Visual Arts Tour, it's probably our biggest kind of art celebration in Spokane every year. So again, wanting to make the connection between the established kind of art scene and this more emerging kind of burgeoning underground young uh, creative scene. Um, and so when that uh, was coming up the following year, we kind of took a look around <laughs> and said, well, it was pretty successful. Um, should we do it again? I should mention that first year um, we highlighted 30 artists um, and we define art really broadly. So it's visual art, it's performance art, it's music, um, it's poetry, it's the literary arts. So um, we had 30 artists and about 1200 people showed up to that original flagship event. Um, and then the following year, we highlighted about 60 artists and 3000 people showed up and it just kind of grew from there. Um, that flagship event, um, which we participated pre-COVID in 2018, um, we highlighted, it was, our tw it was our 12th event, yes, our 12th event. Um, and um, we highlighted 247 artists and about 13,000 people come through the doors in a single evening. So that's that was kind of, that's, you know, our flagship, that's the heart of how we started. We've definitely grown since then. Um, so about year three or four, we started thinking about things um, it's one thing to kind of build community. It's one thing to celebrate community. But what's the infrastructure? That what's the resources and the tools that creative people need in order to stay in Spokane? Um, so we started taking a, a look at kind of more of the administrative side of things. Um, and I could get super geeky on you and start to quote things about like the Creative Vitality Index and how many people identify as artists versus how many art patrons we have. But essentially, um, we just started to to continue to try to break down the silos and to start to build the infra infrastructure needed again to get money into artists' pockets so they can actively choose Spokane. So again, one of the things that we kind of heard repeatedly was or saw repeatedly is once you hit a certain point in your career, you felt like you had to go to a bigger city or at least a city that had stronger creative networks so you could kind of take your career to the next level. So again, we started thinking about, well, how can we build that infrastructure here in Spokane to keep people here? Um, so fast forward um, to today, and we still, like I said, do that flagship event. We also do two other big annual events um, called Bazaar and Burzar, and they are art markets. Um, and they've grown tremendously. Artists um, typically sell about $125,000 worth of art and handmade goods in a single day at those events. Um, terrain is, is similar. We, we sell about $40,000 of the art at Terrain, the flagship event. Um, we also have a permanent gallery space. Um, we have a performing arts space. We have a retail storefront. We do special projects like we just um, partnered with two creative firms here in town, 72 and 144, to do a big 147 foot wide, 13 foot tall um, Black Lives Matter mural. Um, mm. So a, a little bit of everything. And when it comes to, again, building community specifically around uh, the creative scene here in Spokane. Wow, that is a lot. <laughs> but like that's, the, but that's what's so cool to me about terrain is because you know, you're not just that big uh, arts event that at least people in the Pacific Northwest uh, know about. Yeah. Uh, 300 artists come and showcase arts from all different kinds of discipline. You're, you're also out there uh, supporting local artists and supporting people, uh, telling them to come to Spokane and that the art scene here is, you know, it, it's a really good art scene. Like there's a lot of uh, potential here in Spokane to grow as an artist. Yeah. And, yeah. and I feel like I, I've fallen into that category sometimes where I'm like, ah, I need that big, I need to go to a bigger city mostly because I'm trying to get my master's and yeah. there's not really a lot of master's programs here. So yeah. I'm like, I'm ready to explore that Avenue. Um, terrain though. Uh, the, the big event is one of the, like the best things ever. Like, and not, and I'm not being biased here because I was a part of it, but just the fact that like something like that exists and it exists in Spokane, no less. Like, I don't really know too many arts events like that. Like you hear of like, you know, Burning Man 
or something like that, where artists of all discipline come together, they kind of gather in this one spot. Um, but like, I, I think like the Spokane one is like terrain is a lot more different, mostly because it's very accessible. It's yeah. free. Yeah. Like you get to experience art uh, like for one night or uh, depending on um, if you get those preview tickets, yeah. like um, two nights for free. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's such a cool aspect, especially when we talk about um, accessibility in the arts, Absolutely. Uh, which is something that I'm very much interested in, specifically in theater, yeah. which I feel like is not very accessible. Yeah. Um, my experience with terrain uh, was actually through my professor, Charles Pepitone, which I'm, I think you know. Who, uh, I do. Charles. I didn't realize that connection. That's, what, that's yeah. awesome. I love to yeah. hear that. Yeah, he's my he's my old theater professor. And uh, as part of our directing one program, we were actually part of uh, I don't know if you remember um, when the directing one class did their plays at the uh, the Cracker Factory. Hell yes, I loved it. It was amazing. Yeah, I was part of that. <laughs> I did not know that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I was actually just looking at photos of that yesterday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, uh, memory uh, memories from that. But <laughs> that was very stressful <laughs> for a college student. Um, but Charlie, uh, you know, I love Charlie, but um, he didn't really, I feel like he didn't really pitch terrain like that well, because like when he told us, like he forced us to kind of like go to this like big event. I just, for coming from a background where the art really isn't prevalent from where I'm from, from yeah. Saudi Arabia, mm -hmm. I was just like, ah, man, is he making us go to like some fancy schmancy, like, <laughs> uh, like snob, snob fest? Yeah. <laughs> like, and then when I go there, I'm like, and, and you know, it's a, and actually experience what's going on in there like the electricity uh, of terrain is like infectious it really makes you want to create and collaborate and the fact that all the artists are even there you can like you know how you have close access like it's a really great networking place and that's where I met a lot of uh, my artist friends that have been on the show too um, when I did my play I that was a really interesting experience because I feel like I, I learned a lot about uh, spatial awareness yes and um you know because i felt like um the play itself or like my event it was fun uh we put it together and it was really cool to get to perform that but i think it failed in a sense that i didn't ut utilize the space that we were in to its full potential and uh i'm hoping one day to like actually um uh, keep that in mind next time but i think like for my first time there it was such a incredible experience to like get to be a part of this big thing with uh 300 other artists and i have been wanting to get you on the show because like i really want to like sound the horns of like oh man this is a really cool thing that is going on in spokane yeah uh, thank you I, I, for that kind of feedback and 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 viewpoint and it, it's I love to hear it just because it's everything that we've worked towards, you know, equity has been a focus, a focus of ours from the beginning. And again, redefining what art is and what art isn't and um, who has a seat at the table, what voices are we highlighting has been something that's been really incredibly important um, to us from the very beginning. And also, you know, oftentimes people feel like they can't engage with art if, you know, they don't have an art history degree or aren't an artist themselves. And again, we've really tried to work really, really hard to break down um, that, that way of thinking and those silos. Um, uh, we really believe uh, with every fiber of our being, the transformational power of art. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't say it lightly, you know, art saves lives. And so the more that we can be equity-based, the more that we can cast a wider net, the more um, that we can help to be a platform to empower voices that don't typically have a voice, um, you know, that's everything that's been really critically important to us from the very beginning. Even the fact that it's free, that's an equity piece and an access mm -hmm. piece that we've thought really, we've thought really strongly about. So it's just mm -hmm. good to hear your feedback um, and okay. that, and that it's working. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, uh, I'm glad that um, you enjoyed my feedback, but I'm also interested to learn a little bit more about you. And uh, uh, real quick, before we get into the main like uh, topic of the show, um, 
You also won. Uh, can you talk about your Woman of the Year award that you got? I, I believe you got that this year, right? Yes. Yeah. So it's um, I, it's just people from they were actually pretty vague. Uh, I, I believe somebody nominated me, and I think that I was probably top of mind uh, this year just because of the work that uh, we did and I did uh, with the Black Lives Matter mural. Um, but yeah, just it's always you know for me. I'm a pretty introspective, um, constantly trying to figure out if I'm doing my part uh, for our community and uh, in this world. And uh, I stay awake at night, uh, pretty much every night, kind of just, you know, figuring out the barometer inside me and my moral compass inside me, if I'm, if I'm doing enough or if, if I'm having an impact. And so it's nice to, um, it's nice to um, every once in a while be reminded that maybe perhaps I, I, I am having somewhat of an impact uh, on our community, but there's just so many really wonderful people doing really incredible things. Um, and so, like I said, it was, um, it was an honor to be to be recognized, uh, but there is a lot of people uh, doing a lot of really incredible things, and a lot of people who've worked really really hard to get terrain to where it's at. So mm -hmm. uh, humbling, and <laughs> um, and also just I would be remiss not to mention, you know, there's been a lot of hard work by a lot of different people to get us where we're at. So just talking about all the artists that you helped raise. I mean, um, I don't think terrain would be where it is without the artists in the community. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I talk pretty regularly about is just, you know, the vulnerability um, it takes to not only create work, but then to share that, that work with the world. And I am um, always in constant awe of artists being willing to be that vulnerable um, mm -hmm. and to being able to share um, such intimate, deep, um, parts of themselves, um, uh, again, with the community at large. And so it absolutely is a reciprocal synergistic relationship. And, uh, you know, we wouldn't do our work without artists. Um, and we wouldn't be where we are without the artists in Spokane. Exactly. And speaking of artists, uh, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, this is Wayward Artists in a Wayward World, where each and every Sunday I sit with a wayward artist and talk uh, talk about a person that they're thankful for. Um, it's based on a podcast called Pockets Full of Soup by Jared Petty, in which I essentially stole his format. But knowing Jared, not personally, but like spiritually, I, I'm sure he wouldn't mind. <laughs> I talked <laughs> I, I talk to one of his friends, uh, co-workers, who was on the show, uh, Mike Drucker, and he said, oh, yeah, he, he, he won't care. <laughs> <laughs> so I, at least I got his blessing. Um, Ginger, uh, I'm going to ask the question that I ask each and every person on this show, each and every Sunday. Uh, tell me about a person that you're thankful for. And before you answer that, um, just so you know, I think it's never really clear on this show. It's a person. Okay. Um, it doesn't have to be the number one by all be all person. It's just a person you want to talk about. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I'm wildly unprepared for this particular question. And then the very first thing that popped in my head was more of a group of people and not a singular person. So how about I start with a group of people and then I'll try to narrow it down to a singular person if that's okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, let's let's talk about the group. And yeah, if there's one particular person, we, we could totally do that. Yeah. So, you know, I think for me, at least just in this moment, um, we are, um, you know, the last nine months living through a pandemic but even more specifically after the murder of George Floyd, um, seeing just an incredible social uprising and a demand for systemic change and a demand for justice. And I have just been, you know, to be quite honest, when it first started happening, I didn't pay much attention because I think I felt like there was going to be an outrage for, you know, maybe a few days, a week or two, and then it would just go away. And it hasn't gone away. And that has been something that I've found myself repeatedly just so incredibly thankful for. It doesn't mean that it's not difficult. It doesn't mean that it's not hard and emotionally draining. But the fact that we are still having the conversations we're having, 
Um, and with the intensity that we're having them um, in this moment, I feel for the first time in my life that the needle might be changing just a little bit, you know, moving forward just a little bit. And mm -hmm. I am, I'm just uh, incredibly thankful for that and for the people who are speaking out um, and um, continuing to push for progress. And so that's who immediately came to mind um, when we first started talking about, or when you first started asking the question about who you're thankful for. Mm -hmm. um, I think maybe then now I'll narrow it down to a few people <laughs> is <laughs> that um, I have a really incredible group of people around me who are sounding boards. Inga Lorentz, um, who is a professor um, at Gonzaga University. She's a law professor, but she is also, you know, an international leader, leading scholar in um, restorative justice is um, one of my best friends. And to be able to talk through just life in general, but again, um, moments like this and to see her perspective and um, for her to see my perspective, I think that we push each other and, and help each other to grow. Um, she's also a fellow uh, biracial black woman. Um, mm -hmm. And so being able to have that connection with her um, and just her grace and her eloquence and her intelligence and her beauty um, is someone that I'm incredibly thankful for. Um, I've also started to recognize in this moment um, just different leadership styles and how important they are. Um, and, you know, you have, you have the Kiantha Duncans of the world who are the, the motherly figures who always come with you at love. Um, you have the, you know, people who are a little, who, little, who are more filled with rage or ac I'm not even saying that um, all of these people that I'm talking about aren't like singular dimensional people. I'm sure they go through a, a, a range of emotions, but I'm just starting to recognize different leadership styles and how they how important those different leadership styles um, are for creating multiple entry points and layers of conversation, again, to actually um, affect systemic change. So, um, and then of course, um, I would be, I, I would have to mention my mom um, who is uh, just, she was a single parent, super scrappy, incredibly intelligent. Um, and she really instilled with me kind of um, uh, tenacity and kind of dogged perfect perfectionism, but also just, um, I don't want it to sound cocky, but I have a lot of self-confidence and I owe mm -hmm. that to her. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and uh, well, at least self-confidence in, in most situations. <laughs> I, I, I feel that I deserve justice. I feel that I deserve you know, equity. Um, and it is because of the love and that she gave me growing up and that she empowered me just as like a strong black woman uh, living in this world to demand nothing um, but what I and my, my fellow black folks and BIPOC folks and queer folks and anybody who, um, who experiences inequity, what we deserve. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, wow. So there's a lot to talk about in there. Um, like mentioning the Black Lives Matter uh, movement, especially like now it's uh, October 30th. Um, we had an episode with AJ Scott, uh, mm -hmm. who's just like AJ Scott, AJ the wordsmith. Yes, I know. Yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He uh, uh, he spoke some truth about uh, the Black Lives Matter movement at the time, and his episode was recorded back in August. And then we have an episode coming up with Be Light um, later on in the year, um, where again she mostly talks about like uh, infinite gratitude and uh, positive reinforcement. But um, I don't think we really got too deep into what what's going on in the state of the world, especially. Um, there's an election coming up next oh, week. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm already, uh, it's, I just, the closer we get, the heavier I feel. And uh, I have a couple of meetings that day and I've already joked. I'm like, as long as you are fine with me drinking whiskey, yeah. <laughs> happy joking. But uh, oh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's a heavy one coming up for sure. 
exactly. And uh, what you mentioned in your in your conversation, uh, like in your uh, when you sorry, <laughs> I stutter a lot. Um, in what you were saying before, um, oh God, I lost the thought. Shoot. Oh yeah, it, like the needle seems like it's being turned, mm-hmm. and compared to like other times where this happened, you know, like uh, Trayvon Martin and uh, stuff like that, where it just felt like um, it kind of um, went into the abyss. Like we ha- we were all angry, and it was kind of a- it was an outrage, not kind of an outrage, but it was an outrage, and but like nothing seemed like it w- like nothing seemed like it was going to change or anything like that. But with George Floyd and what we're noticing like right now, I feel like my, my goodness, like it is definitely a different uh, atmosphere, a different feeling uh, compared to other times that this has happened. Sure. And um, how much, like, what is it like to be a, a black person in Spokane? Like with what's going on now and knowing uh, what happened to George Floyd and, um, where the needle's kind of turning nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do you feel being black in Spokane? Yeah. Oh, well, that is a loaded question and I appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, truthfully, eight months ago, if you were to ask me a question about Spokane, um, I always would say I'm a Spokane's biggest fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and Spokane is really challenging me in this moment. And I think that um, for a multitude of reasons, um, one being, you know, terrain has um, has grown um, to a point enough in the community that we are asked to collaborate or for people to pick our brains or for partnerships um, pretty regularly with um, kind of the city's establishment. And I think that, and it's, um, what I'm trying to say is that I was really disappointed, really disappointed with how some of our community leaders responded and have been responding and continue to respond in this moment. Um, Community leaders that I thought, um, uh, just I thought differently and I thought that they would respond differently. And I've always known that oftentimes I'm kind of like the, the token black person um, Mm -hmm. who's sitting around the table. Um, But I also uh, feel, uh, I would say grateful or lucky. That's not the right word, but I, Mm -hmm. I feel like if I have the opportunity to maybe change somebody's mind, then maybe I should, use that opportunity to do so. And I think that in this moment, and I keep on saying in this moment, um, that there are very strong lines being drawn in the sand. And again, I've been pretty heartbroken and disappointed with a lot of community leaders here. That, you know, on the flip side, there's been some overwhelmingly beautiful, amazing things happen. But I just think that Spokane has a lot of work to be done. I will say that in the 41 years that I've existed on this planet and lived in Spokane, um, I've never been more fearful to uh, walk down the street. I'm, I'm on guard constantly. I'm looking behind my back constantly um, because people, um, racists, you know, militia, white supremacists are emboldened. And I wanna say that very carefully. I'm, my senses and, and my, my sense of safety is, uh, has been shaken. Um, but I don't allow those sentiments, those people, those you know ideologies. Uh, I, I don't live in fear. Like that's what they want, right? They want me to live in fear, and I w- I refuse to let them do that. Um, but I will say that um, I'm just a lot more cautious and conscious of those folks around me more so than I have ever been um, in Spokane before. Um, so that doesn't, um, I'm not discouraged. I'm, I'm more determined now than ever <laughs> to, to, um, to say bring it on, you know, cause we're not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. Um, and we will continue to demand for change. Um, so, and it's almost kind of like one of the things I've been just dis- 
how I've been trying to describe it, although I'm, I'm not articulating any of this um, all that well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think that Spokane is changing. And I do think that uh, traditional elitist capitalistic um, uh, people or profit over people Spokane, I think that tide is turning. And I think, um, I think that it's almost like a child <laughs> who's got, who's not, who's going to not leave without kicking and screaming. And so although there are scary moments and although there's a lot of work that still needs to be done underneath that is immense hope of again, the needle moving forward. And I think that if we weren't having a big impact, if change wasn't actually happening, those people wouldn't be kicking and screaming and they are. So mm-hmm. it's weird to try to find hope and a silver lining out of that, mm-hmm. but that's, that's, that's how I feel. Um, but yeah, I mean, we live in a, we live in a, a, a time, not just Spokane, but nationally, internationally, where, um, you know, white supremacist uh, ideologies are, are being um, encouraged and there are repercussions for that, so. Oh yeah, I uh, I definitely agree with that. It's definitely interesting looking at people now, and I uh, I work at um, an eye center, and the amount of like Trump masks that I see, or even like just Trump flags around the area, I'm just, it, it's made me like super hyperly aware. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm more white passing. Um, if someone like were to see like my actual like birth name, they, they'd be like, oh yeah, he's Arab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, like also the home, like I'm gay or queer. Um, so the homophobia too is like yeah. making me really scared to like yeah. be in Spokane. Um, so, but you also have like terrain too. Uh, how do you think? What What do you think terrains respond to everything that's been going on? Uh, is going to be in the future compared to maybe how it was before? Like, uh, do you think everything? Like, or you, because like your perspective now is that you're kind of disappointing a lot of the leadership in Spokane right now. Um, at all, like, has a shift in like, uh, like, do you expect like a shift to happen within that, uh, your organization? Yes. So I would say that Terrain, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm really proud of is Terrain has been focused on equity, you know, from the beginning. And, uh, we um, are very, very careful, um, again, about who has a voice at the table. If you look at our hiring practices, if you look at our board practices, if you look at, um, if you look at, at our during practices, um, like I'll give just one example. Our permanent gallery space has shown the work of 189 artists to date. And of those 189 artists, 91 of them have been artists of color and 49 of them have been LGBTQ plus artists. And so we've always been very, very equity um, focused and especially very equity focused internally. What we haven't done such a good job of is um, very publicly saying that in a very firm way. Um, it's just as kind of like how we've always been and how we've always operated. And I, I think we kind of just felt like it was evident on kind of who we were working with and, um, and supporting. Um, but I think that, and you did see this, um, is that uh, we will be much more um, explicit and how we talk about it publicly um, so that we are very clear (laughs) on where we stand. Um, We also, um, those kind of partnerships that I talked about in the past, no amount of money um, will, um, can you give us for us to kind of sacrifice um, what we believe and who we support. And so we have drawn very clear lines of like, who we will, you know, partner with, and from here going forward, and who we will, um, you know, align with with our corporate sponsorships and all of that sort of stuff. So I do think that those are the changes that you will see again publicly. But again, um, I'm I'm really really proud of of who we have always been in that regard. That's not to say that there's there's always room for improvement. Um, and um, I'm that's another thing that you know continually keeps me up at night. Um, there's always room for improvement. Um, and we can always be better in everything that we do. Um, but uh, 
yeah, I think the things that you'll see change is just us being a lot more explicit about where we stand. Exactly. I think that's a very good thing for every uh, leader to do because once these, uh, once the George, uh, George Floyd protest, protest happened, it just feels like um, every company had their own little, you know, black box. They were just saying like, oh, black lives matter, blah, 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 equity, diversity. They all threw those like trigger terms, mm -hmm. but um, at least the way you described it right now, like going into detail being like terrain has always been about equity and, you know, uh, diversity, but going forward, it's, being more explicit about that being more like hey th this is what we believe in like you know lgbt rights black lives matter diversity all that like that i feel like that's and and you've shown it with your work i mean i've i've seen it personally <laughs> being a part of terrain and everything and seeing what you guys do like it's it, it was always evident to me that terrain was um like you know a, a really good organization but i really like what you're saying about like going forward being more explicit about it yeah. i feel like personally even me like i've been doing that a lot more you know i i've always been vocal about not supporting trump but i feel like within the last few months now i'm just like i i feel like i just can't really associate with people who are supporters because they represent like regardless of whether they believe in everything that he says or not like they are enabling a person who is uh, a white supremacist uh homophobic like awful person like it, he is like unlike anything i've ever seen before and <laughs> this is coming from a guy who uh you know who really hates george bush <laughs> you know coming from the the middle east and everything and what he's done over there like i but like i would rather have george bush than this man who has divided everybody like and even like con some conservatives too and republicans like he doesn't represent anybody mm -hmm. and it's very wild to me that there are people who continuously support this man and the very real threat even of him being reelected again is like what scares me yeah you know i think one of the things i think that um well, first of all, I, I am sorry that you um, have to live your life in fear because mm. of what is happening. So I just want to take a moment to say that I hear you and then I see you. Mm. Um, I think that, um, you know, a lot of our really incredible philosophical thinkers, whether it's MLK or it's Gandhi or whoever it happens to be, you know, they've all had a similar phrase, uh, you know, for MLK, it was like the white moderate, you know, and it's those folks who know better mm. and who remain silent um, are more dangerous and more detrimental than the people who just don't know better. Right. And so for mm. me, it's like, um, you know, I have family members who are Republicans who are just, um, seemingly i don't know in, in the last couple of years have been a lot more quiet about it but did not want trump elected um and um but at the end of the day they're they're silent <laughs> and their silence is complicity and um and i feel you in so far of that it is getting harder and harder and harder for me to associate uh with um, a party or um, people who, again, remain silent on such incredibly life or death issues. And um, I don't want to become so hardened. <laughs> I'm trying not to become mm -hmm. so hardened. Um, but it's, it's, it's been difficult for sure. Um, and it, it, yeah, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. It's, it's difficult. And um, mm -hmm. I, I even... <laughs> You know, if I see a yard sign, that's Trump mm -hmm. or I, you know, like I just, yeah. it's um, because it's been, it's been utilized and evoked, um, you know, he evokes violence. And mm -hmm. so I also do think that it, there's some self-preservation there, uh, you know, like uh, uh, if I think it's human nature and human instinct to want to survive <laughs> and mm -hmm. want to protect yourself. And when he and anything, the symbolism that comes with him and white supremacy, whether it's a mega hat or one of his signs, when you see that there is a immediate um, visceral 
reaction of my safety and mm-hmm. I can't control that. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm not going to apologize for that because um, that is on them and his supporters and it's not on me. Um, and it's, it's sad and it's shameful. Um, mm-hmm. And I wish it were different, but it's not at least right now. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, like um, living, uh, going back to like, you know, living in fear and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I, to an extent, like, I, I don't necessarily like live, live in fear. Like I am fearful, but I still believe that there's hope, Yeah, you know, like regardless, like even if Trump does somehow win or even like Joe Biden, which, you know, I, I voted for Biden and, uh, but I don't really, I've never really supported Biden. He wasn't really in my t- like top five yeah. or even top 10. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, like I'm, and I'm planning to be like super critical about like whatever Joe Biden does mm-hmm. that uh, if it happens to divide us or whatever. But um, I think the tools that we have to offer as artists, like you with Terrain and me with my theater troupe, is that we get to be a- we're able to uh, highlight those things. Absolutely, um, yes. Mm-hmm. I think my art is more focused on the human connections mm-hmm. that we make, and I think like uh, you know racial tendencies. Uh, racial tensions, um, LGBT uh, rights and issues kind of falls into the human connection a lot. But I think a lot more organizational leaders like yourself, uh, just, yeah, they definitely need to be more out and about and loud about that. And I'm excited to see where Terrain goes next year. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, go ahead. Do you have something? Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I I just totally agree with all of that. And some of the things that have been giving me hope um, in this moment, um, incredible amounts of hope hope is kind of the artist's response to everything that's going on. And two of the quotes that I continue to kind of go back to almost on a daily basis is Kendrick Sampson's um, There Is No Revolution Without Art. And also Nina Simone's um, something along the lines of uh, it's uh, the artist's duty to reflect the times. And I think that we're seeing that in, in many different ways um, over the last uh, you know, several months. And I'm excited to see you know, artists um, and arts organizations for that matter to continue to build in that momentum um, and to see what the next six months, what's the next year, what the next year and a half holds. Um, I really think, and even the Black Lives Matter movement um, Instagram page recently posted something along the lines that we wouldn't have been able to deliver our message as clearly if it wasn't for artists. And I think of like those beautiful paintings of Breonna Taylor or Ahmaud Omri or George Floyd that go around and they're shared on social media and it helps to bring attention to um, what is happening or even when all of the old monuments um, had been um, being torn down, there was one image that was really incredibly beautiful of uh, the projection. I don't, I don't remember, I think it might have been George Washington, but don't quote me on that, uh, of George Washington Monument, and there was a projection of Harriet Tubman um, on that at night, which was just incredibly jarring and beautiful. Um, there's been, you know, some of the kind of the dancer who was in the middle of the Portland um, protests down there. There's just been some just such special things and statements and actions from artists that I get incredibly excited and I feel incredibly blessed to be surrounded by and get to work with such a special, incredible group of people. So yeah, I'm really excited to see um, how artists continue to respond. There are so many artists that are like just doing really cool stuff right now. Um, Like even within my own circles of just like being aware of like what's going on in the world and even some of the stuff that I was doing, you know, uh, before COVID hit, (laughs) Uh, I was going to, I was, I got a saga grant to do uh, a theater for you thing where it was about raising the next generation's voice and figuring out their artist statements and stuff like that. But Unfortunately, we had to cancel it because of COVID and everything. But um, I'm I'm very curious because uh, uh, we're getting to about time here since you need to get out of here. Um, just a couple things. Um, wh- how do you like uh, since you, I'm sure you have experience gathering talent and 
finding artists and stuff like that. Like, what do you recommend um, arts organizations do to reach out to BIPOC or the LGBTQ community? Like, what can what can they do to like find those resources to help amplify more uh, BIPOC and LGBT voices within Spokane? Because uh, I know they're out there. Uh, they're 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 around there somewhere, but I I feel like a lot of organizations need to step up a little bit about how they approach that. Yeah, so I I think my um, advice would be to do the work and to build the relationships. And I think um, I think that one of the things that you'll start to see is um, organizations who are just checking a box to check a box. Um, and then again, organizations who are doing the work to authentically build relationships where BIPOC artists or queer artists trust you. Um, you know, building trust and build, building relationships takes time. And I think that um, we'll see, and you do see, um, even pre the last six months, I've sat on so many panels and so many juries across the state and actually across the nation of organizations applying for stuff. And equity and diversity has been something that has been asked, you know, um, increasingly over the last, you know, five or six years. And I think that in those applications or in those conversations, you see, you can acutely see the organizations who are checking a box just to check a box. Um, and you can actually see the organizations who are doing the work. Um, so, uh, you know, you have to be really mindful who is, again, who's around the table, who's on your board, who, um, what staff do you hire? Who, who are you giving a platform? Who are you serving? And again, building those relationships because I certainly, just because I have an opportunity you know, um, at a certain organization or a certain place, if I don't feel welcome or safe or that they legitimately or authentically want me there, <laughs> um, I'm even though there might be an opportunity, I'm not going to do it. I need to trust you. I need to. And so I think, you know, one of the things, um, a, a learning lesson that um, I, I had very early in my career is also when you don't know the answer, like reach out to leaders and to community people and bring them in, um, ask them for help, ask them for guide guidance, um, go to, go to queer events, go to BIPOC events. Um, you know, it mm -hmm. needs to, it's, it, it's, I guess what I'm really actually, what it boils down to is mutuality. It's, it's, it's mutuality, right? Like there is a mutual reciprocal, trust building that needs to take place if you actually want to work with and celebrate and give a platform to queer or BIPOC artists. And so you have to do the work. It's not going to happen overnight. It's something that Terrain, again, I feel like has done a good job of, but we're always continuing to try to try to, to be better at. Um, I'm always, mm. I'm, I'll, I'll just even give you an example. So our I should, I don't know if I should say this out loud, but uh, like one of our internal mechanisms at the shop. So uh, our shop used to be called the pop-up shop, what's now called from here. Um, there is like an internal hashtag where I'm like pop-up shop so white. Like I, we're constantly looking at like, Who's being represented? Is is there an, is there enough queer artists that are representative? Is there enough BIPOC artists representative? We're almost on a weekly basis. Where and if, if it, it ebbs and it flows, and if I feel like we don't have enough BIPOC representation, then we really try to seek out and build those relationships so those artists will want to participate in our shop. Um, again, we go to those events. We um, we listen to those folks. We um, we um, we're, we try to be as open and um, to feedback as we possibly can. We're always not going to get it right. And so, um, again, it's mutuality. It's, it's respect. It's doing the work. It's building those relationships. And that takes, you know, that takes years. And it will continue to take words. And also, too, like, never mm -hmm. feel comfortable, right? Like, I, I don't. I've, I've talked a lot in this episode of like, I'm proud of the work that we've done to date, but that work is, is never ending. It never stops. It's, we can, we can, we can never be complacent. Um, and so mm -hmm. just again, 
to continuing to be mindful of that. Um, relationships in general, whether they're romantic relationships, whether they're friendships, whether the relationships between your business and the people that you serve, their work, their hard work, and you need to continue to do that work um, if you want that mutual respect and participation. Amen to all <laughs> that. <laughs> that was really good. Um, then the last question I just want to ask, and uh, normally on the show, uh, when we talk about a specific person, I'm like, pretend that person's here. And what, what's one thing you want to say to them? So I'm going to ask you a different one, especially since I think you're a very important figure in our arts community. Um, it's the election, you know, the election night. And whoever won, won. Um, what do you hope, what do you hope for? Uh, what do you hope the Spokane or the Inland Northwest community takes from the election? Mm. That is it's a very loaded question. I know. Um, <laughs> like, and it's regardless who won, whether yeah, it's Trump I would or say the first thing that pops in my head that regardless who wins, that the work is just beginning. Um, mm -hmm. The work is just beginning. We, um, you know, yeah, the work is just beginning um, and we can't be complacent. We can't, we can't feel victorious if it's Biden. We need to continue pushing. There's just so much systemic change that needs to happen on both a national and a, and a state and local level that, um, you know, you know, strap on your, your tennis shoes or your boots or whatever, and let's hit the ground running because this is just the beginning. Exactly. A hundred percent. Um, I have really nothing to add to that because I a hundred percent agree. Um, I really don't want people to fall asleep if Biden wins and be like, all right, well, everything's yeah. safe now. Uh, we, we have a normal president or whatever that whatever that means. Um, like we, we still have to keep fighting. We still have to keep Joe Biden yes, account accountable mm -hmm. just as much just as much as we've Absolutely. done for Trump. Um, guys, guys, non-binary pals. This is Wayward Artists in a Wayward World. Um, Ginger, do you have any? Last uh, words? No, other than thank you so much, Sid, for having me on your show. And I'm a huge admirer of your work and the stance that you take in this community. And I just, I hope that you, I hope that you stay here. I don't want you to move away. And I hope that you can, oh. you can find a way to feel like you can create in the way that you want to create and you can feel safe and valued and um, and celebrated. And it just, uh, thank you for having me on your show. Oh, no problem. I I I'll be back. Um, I'm just going to go away for a little bit for my master's. But I think uh, I definitely, like, despite, like, sometimes I kind of shit on Spokane. <laughs> but I think there's a lot of well, opportunities. Oh, and come uh, back, I, then I you're allowed that. to go get your master's. <laughs> All right. Yeah, definitely. Definitely for sure. Um, I'm going to bring some weird stuff with me uh, from the master's program. Oh. That's for sure. Um, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, without further ado, it's been real.